Hello everyone. I hope you are doing well. We are back with another episode of Blitz Business. I hope you will enjoy this podcast. Hi Fanis. Thank you so much for coming over to Blitz Business. It's a pleasure to have you. Hi, hi. Uh, the pleasure is uh, all mine. Great. So Fanis, tell me a little bit about yourself first then we'll talk about your venture. I started uh, my my entrepreneurial journey back at when I was 20 23 I guess 22 23 uh so uh, it was a bootstrapped business uh I was uh, studying computer engineering uh, here in Greece and it was the the typical uh, startup story not that typical for uh, greek standards especially back then uh but you know college dropout i i had an idea that i thought uh, that it was uh, worthy to to go after it and uh, you know i dropped out of college and uh, i just started working on my uh, on my idea so that was uh, my first uh, business venture back then i kiosk <clears throat> and fast forward to to today uh, i am the founder and ceo in uh, green panda uh, green panda is the fastest way to sell your smartphone so uh, we are creating our own atms and uh, within two or three minutes you can go there you can get a personalized quote for your device depending on the model and the Uh, and the outside condition and you can choose uh, if you are going to sell it or not um it is a long story so you will have to <laughs> to guide me somehow <laughs> you don't want me start talking about myself it will take us no, no. way more than sure. an hour <laughs> <laughs> no no absolutely it's it's a fascinating idea fanis in terms of uh, the pitch is absolutely very strong in terms of being able to sell your uh, smartphone within 2 to 3 minutes so how did the idea came about so let's start with that ah uh, yeah the, the, look the first stimuli was uh, from my mom you know uh, in my parents home we have a drawer where we keep our our, our family tech you know every smartphone that uh, when we buy a new one it goes the, the last one goes uh, in that drawer so uh after some years this drawer had like 20 25 uh devices that uh, were unused and uh, at some point my mom uh, comes to me and says look you have to, you have to deal with that do something with <laughs> with those devices <laughs> because she knew that she cannot throw it away you know in the recycling mm. so okay that that was just what uh, uh what started the, the whole idea after that it was uh, very heavy research on uh, in this market particularly what uh, what grabbed me into it uh, was the fact that every year uh, 1.3 billion new smartphones uh, are being uh, produced and the number is consistent you know from 1.3 to 1.5 billion every year uh whereas then the actual the absolute number of active smartphones uh, is increased uh, just by 0.3 billion every year so there is a huge black hole in this market and uh, uh right now only 200 million devices uh, are getting recycled or they passed the secondary market as we call it uh, and i think that uh, you know this is a 
problem this is a lack of convenience uh, the average consumer they don't now know how to uh, you know easily and very fast uh Uh, you know, get, get something out of the smartphone. You have different uh, channels like uh, Craigslist or uh, uh, Facebook Marketplace, but those things can take uh, days or uh, weeks and you have to meet up with a stranger to trade your phone. And uh, unfortunately, you know, like the Apple program, Apple trading is not available in every country. And even that, even Apple trading is only available when you choose to to upgrade your device. <clears throat> Whereas if you have some devices uh, at your place, you can choose, you know, to just go to an ATM and get uh, their current value and uh, drop them off anytime you uh, you choose to. Um, so yeah, this is how the 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 idea started from my mom, but uh, the market data <laughs> pushed me in in a way. So that that's very convenient if I look from uh, from the perspective of a user right it is more convenient than to deal with any human interaction i can go to a, a i'm assuming it's in sort of like an atm machine i can put my device there so tell me is it like when i put my device there it's more of like uh, the device gets recycled or do you resell it further down the chain or how does it work once the device is with you you uh, yeah. what happens next our our mission is to get the the most value out of the phone for the consumer okay so depending on the device because the atm uh, you know may accept a really old uh, undestructible nokia 3310 uh, up to a iphone 11 pro max so um Uh, in in any case we try to to get the most value out of the phone so what we do is we try to find the best buyer or the best recycler for the device that uh, you will drop off in the ATMs and uh, you know the inventory is separated in three or four different segments and uh, uh, some devices uh, may be refurbished so we'll have to change parts uh, get a healthy battery and resell it resell it to a different country after do proper data cleanse etc etc in other cases uh, the devices uh, are going straight to uh, pure recycling but uh, this is very important that uh, when we're referring to consumer electronics and new waste uh, you know proper recycling and responsible recycling is way 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 different than uh, recycling just plastic so you have to be very careful with uh, the partners that you choose and be sure that they have all the the right equipment and processes in order to responsibly uh, process every consumer electronic device that they get in so yeah depending on the um, uh, on the outside condition and the model and the current value uh, we have different options for uh, for the devices that we collect So uh, in essence you are sort of building sort of uh, a marketplace also in terms of but it's not visible to the end user consumer so if i if i'm looking to buy secondary phone i cannot just go to a platform one of your services where i can purchase from it's more like you are then disposing of refurbishing it's more in terms of like a b2b sort of mm-hmm. functionality mm-hmm. right Correct, correct. There are certain marketplaces where the consumers can uh, can go and uh, buy a second uh, 
a second-hand device and uh, this market has a double-digit growth year over year. So the demand the demand is there, but the only uh, the only limitation that the current market has is uh, the supply. So this is clearly a supply problem, and mm. this is what we are trying to to fight here. So we will be uh, very committed in solving the supply problem, uh, you know, before thinking any direct marketplace back to the consumer, etc. So this is the this is the big issue, and uh, we think that uh, with a fleet of ATMs and by having a hyper supply strategy of ATMs. We have uh, we have pretty good chances to to solve that. Mm-hmm. So so you mentioned in terms of being it a supply side problem, and you also mentioned uh, the ATMs are able to manage from Nokia to ele- iPhone ele- uh, eleven Max Pro or iPhone twelve, which, whichever model is the latest, right? So uh, how do you sort of run your test or diagnostics, or how do you come? What is the valuation method for you to understand? the value of a phone i mean is there you run a program uh, do the end user needs to connect with the some sort of they have to run some analytics into the processor how does it work how do you come arrive at that number uh, this is a this is a great question and uh, this is where our uh, tech uh, jumps in okay so we address this uh, very complex uh, issue in two ways uh, the first and most important is our uh, patented uh, technology. Uh, we have uh, granted patents in both in the US and in Europe. And through our tech, we are able to identify wirelessly without having any cable inserted in the phone. We can identify w- with 100% accuracy uh, what is the model, the manufacturer, gigabyte, color, and uh, also if the device has been reported as uh, lost or stolen or if it's iCloud locked. Um, so this is the most uh, the most difficult thing. And um, wow. uh, it is so, great that, yeah. So no, no wires and it's just basically no. even the user doesn't <laughs> no, have to... Just... <laughs> No, no, no. You just visit an ATM, you put your device in the drawer. It has to be switched uh-huh. on. And uh, within 20 minutes, or 20 seconds, sorry, uh, we are able to identify all of those that I, uh, that I said before. And uh, user doesn't need to enter the mobile number details nothing, of nothing, it, nothing. Nothing, nothing. No, no, no. You just wow. drop in <laughs> your smartphone <laughs> in the drawer. And uh, after some seconds, uh, you can see that the phone has been identified. And the fact that we are able also to to cross check you know this particular phone if if has been uh, you know uh, uh, block uh, block listed in uh, the gsma databases or if it has been again reported as lost or stolen through icloud and that we can check it in real time before we put a binding quote uh, in front of the user so uh, yeah and uh, i think you know because many players are working around uh, mm-hmm. the same value proposition, but we are the only one uh, that we have patented this wireless grabbing technology and we are able to do that. So uh, uh, assuming it is more into the realm of image analysis you are doing or is the category something exactly. entirely different? <clears throat> no, our patented tech relies on uh, cell communication with the device. So we 
we are able to understand all the um, uh, all this critical information of the, of the device with a, with a handshake, with a wireless handshake that we do. Uh, but of course, the 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 problem that uh, and the challenge that you described earlier uh, has uh, one thing is uh, one dimension is uh, uh, this one, the actual recognition. Uh, the second part is, uh, as you said, with computer vision, we are trying to assess the the physical condition of the device. You know, scratches, uh, scratches, cracks, mm-hmm. dents, etc. Mm-hmm. And uh, the third dimension is, uh, you know, the data the the data analysis in real time, where we try to figure out what is the current value for this specific device okay because it's not just the model or the uh, or the capacity uh, True. you know different problems different kind of cracks different kind of scratches uh, uh, drop incrementally the value so uh, everything is happening in uh, in real time and uh, again we have measured you know the uh, the time from uh, the first uh, Stats of the consumer to, in the ATM from the first click uh, to check out is uh, again as I said less than three minutes. So, wow, yeah, wow. I mean, the value proposition is definitely immense. Uh, I must say. Uh, how, how do you so? How do you classify yourself? Are you a hardware company or a software company? Uh, yeah, I, I, we see ourselves more. Uh, you know. Uh, cost-driven and uh, we want to see ourselves m- more like an enabler and a marketplace <coughs> rather than uh, a software or hardware company. We, we have a very compelling uh, value proposition for the end consumer. Uh, this mm. is what I think. And um, uh, yeah, we see ourselves as, as an enabler, as a, as a channel. So we want to create this very convenient channel for uh, you know people to drop off their phones and get the best value out of it so yeah mm-hmm. it's a nice sure. question actually i have to, I have to <laughs> <think about it. laughs> no worries no worries uh, so so you have i i uh, you have been you know an entrepreneur for some time you have a couple of startups under your belt so uh, share with us you know what has been the uh, taking, for example, Green Panda, let's say, uh, what has been the most difficult aspect of running a startup uh, in terms of when you were establishing Green Panda or any of the previous one which you mentioned, uh, hiring, sales, or what has been the sort of core challenge when you start, you know, when you're running, you're starting from scratch? This is a very interesting question. And I think that uh, in in every case, the, the biggest challenge is a different one. And uh, what I mean about that, uh, my first company was a B2B software, B2B SaaS for small business owners. Okay. Uh, my second company was doing data analytics for big enterprise uh, uh, corporations and FMCG brands, etc. Green Panda is uh, dealing with the consumer. So I, I can tell you that in, in every case, the biggest challenge was completely different. So I, I would say that uh, the common the common challenge is uh, hiring because you can't you can't get that wrong, especially when you are a small team of uh, ten or twenty people. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, and uh, w- w- with Green Panda, because uh, it is my first venture that uh, has to do directly with the consumer and is super mm-hmm. fun. It is. Mm-hmm. It's amazing to to see how fast and how alive the business is on everything mm-hmm. that you do. So, you know, I'm I'm in love with that. But uh, you. you don't you have long sales because... cycle coming from B two B. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> <laughs> now, now you mentioned something good. Okay, uh, <laughs> you know, I went from a sales cycle in my first B two B SaaS company that was, I would say, like two weeks or three weeks because we were selling to small business owners. Mm-hmm. I went to Intel. You know, if you have uh, Nestle or Coca-Cola buy a big contract for data analytics, they might mm-hmm. take them a year to decide. <laughs> so, yes, yes, absolutely. And uh, now you see that, uh, you know, with this value proposition, you you create your digital funnels and uh, you start uh, some initial budget on each ad and you see it next day, you know, how, mm. how the consumer... Uh, Instant gratification. Yeah, this is crazy. I love it. I love it. I, I, I'm obsessed. <laughs> I think the B2C world, uh, yeah, will have my heart forever. <laughs> <laughs> it's like instant gratification. You get to feel, you know, oh, exactly. yes, things are moving. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, I can this is totally instant gratification. And, and this is what I love also from the consumer, from our customer side. Okay, being able to communicate a value proposition that has this element of instant gratification. You go there, you drop off your phone, within mm. 150 seconds you have your money with no question asks, you know, no no awkward interaction. Because mm. think that even if you go, <clears throat> even if you go to an Apple store, okay, or to any other uh, phone retailer, mm-hmm. uh, you have you have a human being assessing the value of your asset right and they communicate an offer and for those for those seconds you are in, a, in an awkward position you know you have to directly accept or uh, uh, reject uh, the value that they, they are proposing mm. so and especially for, for something that is so personal to you you know our smartphones is uh, our extension yes there self. is a friction there is a friction, right, when you exactly. interact with the person. Mm-hmm. Whereas, if if the process is fully automated, you can go there, you can test it, you can accept or reject. No awkward feelings, no nothing. And uh, yeah, this is based on this uh, instant gratification value proposition that you said. And uh, in return, we have it. Uh, we have the same thing as a business. So this is great about it. So let me let me sort of flip the question a little bit. So, I mean, you come from, you have the experience of a B2B and a B2C. So let me ask you other way around. What has been sort of, uh, how do you contrast between B2B and B2C? Definitely we touched upon in terms of the sales cycle, you know, instant gratification stuff. But what has been the sort of, the challenging aspect running into a B2C business coming from a background of a B2B. I'm sure many of the listeners and people who are listening, uh, uh, B2B business is a different ball game altogether, right? And uh, B2C is again a different animal altogether. So what has been, you know, from your experience, sort of the key shift which you have to sort of understand or key strategies or 
whatever sort of learning you had from coming from a b2b background and entering into b2c <laughs> one thing that i would say is that uh, and i figured that out uh, re- relatively late um running running green panda you know everything has to be monitored on a on a daily or hourly basis okay even this is important because even the accountability of your own team mm. has to be checked on a on a weekly basis i would say mm. whereas i thought that that should be the case also when uh, when i had founded my my b2b company and uh, when you when you have to fight such a long sales cycle but with a huge upside okay every time you know a, a, mm. a contract or an enterprise customer is uh, converted the upside is huge yeah mm. but um, when the sales cycle are are that big like three months six months one year having your team accountable on a weekly basis can be destructive actually so Excellent. there is yeah. there is no meaning on having checking the kpis or your okrs on a weekly on a weekly level and um, i used to do that and uh, i you know i observed how those management meetings instead of being super productive and effective and full of energy if you're mm-hmm. asking the same questions week after week on something <laughs> that you know that has a maturity date of three months you get the you get the yeah the, not the results that you're after so it is very important i think for every founder to understand the pace the pace of the business model and mm. you know this also sets the culture and defines also your meeting rhythm defines the uh, the tools and uh, what it should be monitored so yeah i think uh, defining and understanding uh, very very well the pace of your business model is quite crucial i think that's an excellent observation you know in terms of so basically uh in b2b uh, what i have seen also is in terms of b2b teaches you a lot of patience right as you mentioned but when you're coming to b2c you're like come on move fast <laughs> we need to know, know. In, what's in happening b2c <laughs> you might have a problem from tuesday to friday <laughs> you know that you know that instantly that look we i we have a problem in b2b mm. yeah it's more like quarterly reviews and again also b2b has can be separate can be separated in uh, more segments as well because we see that uh, small business owners they are changing the behavior and they decide more like consumers or prosumers rather than the typical uh, you know when i say b2b i think more of a an enterprise account a big customer a big brand they will have after a certain budget several people will have to decide to move forward so yeah this is a this is a different case i mean for a saas business that is selling to very small shops and and from what i can understand is you are you absolutely enjoy b2c you are more like fast pace you know 
you're you have the uh, finger on the pulse on the business every day and you are enjoying that piece <laughs> one one thing that i have uh, observed uh, and i think it is very relevant mm-hmm. is that uh, and w- this one of the reasons that i love uh, b2c because as i said you can feel that your business is alive mm-hmm. much much easier than you know enterprise software <laughs> let's uh, let's get an example now especially with uh, the lockdowns and uh, you know we have all our people are working uh, remotely okay so i think that companies and startups especially uh, we are facing a new challenge and the, this challenge is uh, how do you set the right culture okay because you know every startup it start initially usually they have a core you know the, the first five six ten people okay and um, when you have you know your first small office uh, you have those interactions with each other and this is what sets both the rhythm the energy level which is extremely important and the culture okay your first team and your first hires are the culture i cannot just create whatever a deck and evangelize that this is the culture uh, if i'm hiring the wrong people okay but in the in the covid era that we are experiencing i think setting up both the energy level and the culture in small teams that working remotely is is extremely important and it is very hard and what i what i what i think that is happening or that it should happen with the b2c because there is so much activity you know you can have for example we have notifications every time a green panda atm uh, is collecting a device we get an instant notification on uh, on slack with all the details that this panda munched an iphone 11 for that price at this condition in this location mm. having having systems like that makes your business feel alive especially for remote teams and i think that this is also set the uh, the the common energy of the team it, it sets mm. the pace whereas mm. and, and and you can see it you know a, a slower day and the overall activity in slack for example is not that high Uh, if you're getting notifications every every couple of minutes and uh, you know of course you can set those things uh, the way you you want okay i, I don't say that this has to interrupt your daily workflow but mm. if within slack there is this translator of the activity of the business inside the team you can feel you can feel the 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 team space to be to be increased and I, i think it will be a very interesting challenge because i believe that uh, as more companies start on a remote only basis um again s- setting up the energy and the, the company culture will be definitely more challenging than you know having 50 people in the office no that's very interesting point because because momentum is the key right how do you make sure everyone exactly. is on board you know and you know 
in startup momentum is everything if you can maintain the momentum i mean you can reach skies so that is very crucial right in terms of how do you manage or set such culture uh, i think that's uh, people are learning and still there is no such clear cut sop or procedure or clear understanding what needs to be done but i think that's an excellent point and people one thing i think in then in this pandemic people have realized you know things can be done remotely but uh, still people are figuring figure, figuring it out what is the most or the more uh, essential or efficient way you know to deliver uh, whatever task or anything you know that's very crucial because the trust gap can be uh, can be big when you're working remotely exactly and I, and i think it's also uh, you know for for example I, i've seen that uh, my with my personal style i love uh, working rem- remotely okay i really i'm i'm more productive because i don't have that many interruptions uh, throughout my day so i manage my calendar ruthlessly and i just go with it <laughs> which is uh, which is great but on the other hand you have to everyone has to understand that um not every member of your teams will have you know different personalities different working styles so and i i i think this is part of the job of the of its leader to to understand how his team or her team um is uh, is able to work uh, more more effectively and uh, again no, i think the, all those are very interesting discussions that this is for the first time that uh, you have to i mean for really example with them. yeah i mean for example you cannot keep a sales guy working remotely i mean sales guys are by default they are used to running around right it becomes very difficult for them if they are not getting out of their house that's what i have seen this is true, <laughs> this is true. But, but on the other hand exactly this is this is so true this is so true on the other hand though uh, this period i think it is perfect for uh, farming existing uh, existing uh, opportunities or uh, customers mm-hmm. They're try, trying to find uh, different pain points. Try to find uh, to to solve uh, customers' uh, new problems. Uh, do some upselling. So for that, I think the timing is perfect. Yes. For, yes. Uh, yeah. For uh, for difficult conversions, as I call it, you know, anything non-digital, usually, <clears throat> it is uh, it is way harder. I agree. So so, Fanis, tell me a little bit in terms of. Uh, uh, you mentioned uh, uh, a few minutes back in terms of uh, getting the initial payment setting up hiring the initial team how do you get i mean again from both perspective from b2b and b2c also mm-hmm. how do you get your first break first sale you know because that is the absolutely the most difficult task as a founder as an entrepreneur everyone faces you know to get that validation you know my service is worth it whatever i'm offering how how do you get that sort of first break in terms of sales uh, that first stream of revenue look uh, i think <clears throat> me personally uh, i i start and build initial conviction on a case based mostly on uh, on current market data 
and uh, and gut feeling because I try to analyze also every decision that I take as a consumer or as a as a as a user of a service or what what have you. Uh, so if 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 I am if I if I have the conviction that I need, uh, as I, as I said in our example with Green Panda, okay, I had the data, <clears throat> okay, of uh, the smartphones that uh, are being produced, the fact that uh, a very small fraction of it is uh, getting to the secondary market. So my conviction was pretty high for that case. After that, I work as if you know this is a no issue. No more until you get the first transaction, of course. <laughs> but I try, I try not to, you know, create objections with myself during during the race, especially from point zero to step one. Uh, if I build my initial conviction, I just go with it, and I don't, I don't question myself up to that point that you do the first sell, sale, as you said, okay. Um, and Green Panda's example was one like that because we had like to work fiercely for for a year before we can put our first ATM out there, okay, mm. the technology and everything. So up to that point that we had our first ATM deployed in uh, this big supermarket, <clears throat> I didn't question myself if what we are doing and if we are what what we are building. Right, and if consumers are going to use it, you know, I took my decision back then when I decided to to start the business. But after that, it was work, 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 work because I didn't have any new data. Okay, if I had new data, yes, I would reassess. But uh, since you don't have new data, you know, just arguing with yourself, it's not that helpful. I, I guess. Having said that. Once you deploy your, uh, once we deployed our first ATM, uh, you know, a couple of days passed, and uh, we were seeing that people were uh, testing the, the ATM and putting phones uh, in the drawer, but no transaction. So, mm. at that point, yes, <laughs> you, <laughs> you start feeling again uncomfortable because mm. now you are out there and now you are interacting. Um, now you're getting data. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Now, now a new set of data is being produced every day, and mm. it is okay to reassess. Okay, if we, mm. you could, you know, we could have like our first five ATMs, and after three months of trying or new whatever new marketing or whatever, maybe nothing uh, would have happened. So we would have a new set of data, and we should reassess. Mm. Thankfully, this didn't happen, and uh, on the third day we had the first transaction. So. <laughs> <laughs> that's 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 a great point, Vanis. In terms of you know the because most of the time, what I have seen in journal also, it happens. You know, people take a call and they sort of get cold feet, or they don't stick with the decision. So it, it's very important. You know, this sort of framework you sort of described. You know, you had you had the look at the data. You said, okay, it's fine, and definitely got also plays a big role the gut feeling everything but you know to stick through with it and see till the day it's finally out and then reassess again you know you definitely as an mm -hmm. entrepreneur we have to reassess every situation as new things are evolving but from step zero and to step only one reassess when you have solid fresh data when analysis sure. paralysis and arguing 
with yourself and your decisions is a, is a no-no, especially for entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. Very true. Very true. I think um, put very you have put it very correctly. Also, I think that's a very excellent takeaway. Also, anyone listening. So I think that's a very good point, uh, Anis. Uh, so I'll touch upon a very interesting topic now: uh, fundraising. So I I I know you have raised approximately close to two million dollar. I think one point five million euros. Uh, mm-hmm. So what are your plans? Uh, the first fundraising difficult or do you plan and second part of the question is you plan to raise more funds uh yeah first of all every i think every fundraising has its challenges uh, in our case the challenge was that when we started uh, our financing round we it was the first wave wave of covid so it was global lockdown everywhere and it was the first thing in town okay so (laughs) you understand if you remember back then back in march or april uh, Mm -hmm. the global psychology (laughs) and like was weird at best i would say um so this definitely didn't help um but uh, since we had data from our early performance because we had managed to to launch our first 10 ATMs. Uh, I think our numbers and uh, uh, the, the straightforwardness of the business model helped, uh, helped us uh, tremendously. So, you but, know, we reached but, out with... Yeah. But sorry, sorry to interject, but isn't it your business COVID proof? I mean, you are not involving any human... The people are just going there, putting their phone. I mean, of course, of course. And, and the, this was also, yeah, you know, as they said, uh, or as they're saying, nowadays all the all the decks they have they have to have the COVID slide, okay, so, uh, in this new era. So yeah, this definitely helped. Also, the fact that uh, since you know many uh, many jobs have have been frozen. Um, giving giving a way out for uh, for consumers to get extra cash from from a frozen asset uh, that mm. we have was a very compelling value proposition as well. Um, so yeah, I think that uh, uh, the way that we had designed the round, we didn't want to start with an institutional investor from our seed uh, stage, so. Uh, we chose to to go with uh, strategic uh, angel investors um, who know very well the, who know the market, uh, who have uh, great uh, business networks, and uh, yeah, we raised successfully within just a couple of months uh, one point five million in euros from uh, from people that are extremely strong. Uh, in our industry and um, it was challenging but uh, but it was okay i i think again the the early data from uh, from our early performance helped uh, helped us very very much mm-hmm. and and now do you plan to anytime soon oh, go yeah. back yeah yeah Be- because right now we are deploying uh, we will have 40 atms uh, until until the end of the year, um, and uh, after that we have to to prepare for a, for our Series A. Um, 
that should come in Q2 2021. And uh, yeah, of course, as, as you understand, we have to we have to set up the new, the new production for the new batch. But since we are uh, very comfortable with our unit economics, uh, we know you know how to scale it further. So we have to raise uh, a series one within 2021 in order to produce the next uh, 1,000 ATMs. Mm-hmm. Understandable and definitely a very scalable model because uh, there is not much scope for customization, etc. I mean, you're deploying uh, units across territories. Exactly, exactly. And, the, and this is what uh, what I love because the, the ATM, the, the maintenance that they need is uh, minimum close to zero. Uh, you only need, you know, we need a collection agent every week or every ten days, uh, just to to get the, the collected devices out of the ATM. And uh, other than that, uh, you know, we can deploy in uh, new markets uh, just by agreeing with uh, either uh, retail partners or telecom partners or uh, groceries, big big chain of groceries where the food traffic is very high. Um, so, yeah, it is uh, it is quite scalable. Yes, and I think you must be enjoying it because coming again, touching a little bit on B2B, no customization here in this piece. You are just, you have oh the my. skeleton. Oh, my. <laughs> <laughs> if you, if you want to feel the pain of uh, localization, try to localize... Uh, a retail system in a market with not not just different language, but dif- different fiscal system, different taxation on retail, different fiscal guidelines for receipt printing, etc., etc. So yeah, this can this can be from a smooth ride that I hope that it will be with Green Panda to to close to be a nightmare. Uh, I can I can totally envision and understand your thought process. Why you sort of decided to enter into B two C and such venture, you know, <laughs> making life easier. It's more fun. It is more fun. I will, I will say. More that. fun. Yes, yes, more fun. Definitely. Uh, so, so coming back to in terms of the impact of COVID. So, what has been your understanding from the market? Has your volumes gone up? I mean, definitely after the lockdown. I mean, what has been the impact on sales, the COVID for you? Uh, what we see, uh, first of all, our transactions are uh, are increased uh, month over month. But what we see is every time we have a, a very strict rule uh, for uh, you know for people getting outside their homes. Right now, you are not allowed be outside 9 p.m. onwards okay 9 p.m. to 6 a.m. you are not allowed to be outside for whatever the reason uh, even if you go outside you have to send a specific text with uh, you know with uh, the cause of your uh, uh, of your transportation and put in the details etc etc so uh, every time uh, a new measure like that is being introduced uh, yeah, initially we see a lower, a lower pace of uh, of acquisitions, but uh, this goes back to normal again, you know, because the, those measures are being introduced and lifted every whatever three or four weeks. Um, but is 
it's definitely it is definitely challenging. Uh, the value proposition is even stronger now, as I said, because uh, more people ultimately uh, will need some extra cash, and uh, since they already have the devices sitting there, it is a good, uh, it is a nice monetization for them. But uh, we cannot, uh, we, you know, we have to take into account also the consumer psychology. Okay, even though they can visit the big grocery markets and the supermarkets that we are in, um, it, we are sure that the consumer is not taking uh, decisions the same way that uh, they would take them in a completely free uh, market. Um, so yeah, ho- hopefully by February or March, uh, we think that uh, things will, um, as I said, will uh, go back to normal. Uh, but on the other hand, uh, thankfully, our and most of the tech businesses, uh, uh, we are lucky not to be, you know, affected. Because, for example, many businesses that has that that are in uh, the uh, mm-hmm. tourism or uh, in segments like that, right. Uh, models have been devastated so <clears throat> yeah it is uh, it is not nice uh, thankfully we are on the on the positive side mm-hmm. that's great that's that's good to know uh, fanis uh, and definitely uh, when whenever you know uh, what i have seen also it's whenever the value proposition is strong business always thrive it's just matter of time uh uh when the volume kicks in and you sort of scale so i think definitely it's a, it's 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 a it's an excellent uh, idea uh excellent sort of concept also um i think we are i have taken a lot of your time but to <laughs> wrap it up i will ask my sort of uh, 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 my one of my favorite questions in terms of uh, you have been a serial entrepreneur so what will be your suggestion and idea uh, uh if someone is starting a business today or if i can sort of flip the question what would you have done differently uh when you started green panda or what what you did differently when you started green panda after all of your experience what will be your few takeaways for someone starting a new business today hmm I think, you know, unfortunately, those lessons uh, come only with uh, with experience, uh, at least the most valuable ones. Okay, and uh, for me, also starting uh, starting Green Panda, it was also a great opportunity because you know after uh, after many years in B two B, I felt that now I had some sort of manual some sort of guidelines so instantly i could see way clearer on you know what is the absolute priority uh, how do you how do you do better hirings for the team <clears throat> and one big lesson that i learned uh, again because i started quite young with no experience uh, but I was always passionate with my businesses. Uh, the biggest learning is that 
it is and you have to be somehow uh, not distant is not the right word but as as a leader you shouldn't try to 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 solve any problem that uh, comes up and this is why you have your team okay initially uh, during my first business i was in many cases i was way too deep in solving operational issues mm-hmm. and uh, this over time uh, may hurt the business because again this is why you have your team uh, you have to definitely uh, trust your people but it is okay if one person is is working on one problem and you know it's not okay if they try to bring in the whole team I, so, i'm not sure if it makes sense but uh, no 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 absolutely it 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 is you know it one of the podcasts we touch upon this particular the same thing exactly the same thing which you are saying so if i can rephrase it i think uh, the so uh, the point is in terms of letting the fire burn you know there will be certain fires Ooh, def- exactly bravo 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 <laughs> that yes. was the expression <laughs> yes. fires and you, the experience helps that helps on that very very much because yes. as you know beforehand what fire is okay to you know burn until, until you until you address that right 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 i mean no i definitely aren't uh, understood your point i mean that's a very crucial one and and definitely it comes from experience only to understand and appreciate you know you don't have to be so deep into operations there will be fires i mean there will be fires uh, as a startup we don't have access to n number of resources there will be challenges but understanding and identifying uh, which fires to be taken care of and letting others on is the key exactly yeah. exactly that's great fanis that's great i think uh, it was just wonderful to have you and the key insights and the uh, you know uh, the great background and we to see you very much <laughs> uh me too it was my one of my favorites definitely uh key 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 insights and coming from b2b and b2c space so there was sort of interesting uh intersections of questions and everything the flow everything went very well uh thank you thank you very very much for uh, for having me and uh, i'm looking forward to to see it online <laughs> Thank you for listening. We will be back with another episode of Blitz Business. Stay tuned.